Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. I am here with my business partner and our head of SEO here at Rocket Agency, the uh, the beautiful Gary Viner. Welcome to the pod. Well, I'm I'm looking beautiful today. Uh, my hair was shocking yesterday. I had a haircut, um, and I'm feeling good. Well, this Thanks is excellent. Having. So, Gary Viner, very broad question to kick things off. How does SEO work in 2022? How does SEO work in in 2022? Um, It works, okay, Google has very, very sophisticated algorithms as as your listeners will all know. Uh, They kind of rank on 200 odd factors. Um, We are aware of what they are. We don't, we're not aware of how they all kind of fit together. Uh, But fundamentally Google is testing uh, to make sure you you do certain things. Um, They want you to have a nice fast site that works well in mobile. They want the site to be secure. They want you to have great content. Um, They want uh, stuff to be easier to find on your website, so structured well. They want you to use kind of natural language. Um, They want you to be creating content that ties back to how people um, are searching. Um, User intent is a really big focus in 2022, so you don't want to be creating content that's of a different intent to what people are searching for. Um, You want uh, content that uh, is good enough that people want to link to it. I mean, much of that stuff hasn't changed very much. Yeah. I guess what has changed is um, everything is moving more and more towards a mobile optimized world. So you want to make sure that your mobile experience is great. Um, You want to be using, as I said, natural language. So the days of kind of stuffing with keywords is is well and truly past. Everything is based on kind of semantic level understanding now of of content. Um, And uh, lots and lots of technical factors that I've kind of alluded to. Um, but fundamentally, it's still the same three pillars that we've talked about for years, right? Good content, yep. Uh, yep. getting links back to your work, and having a site that's kind of technically uh, and structurally sound. And so how do you do that? Like, if we try to break those in, I think that's good. Like, the three buckets yep. just make sense. I think otherwise, it's like, where do you start? So if we go to the on-site stuff, like, is there a checklist? Like, how do we go, these are the five things or the 20 things or the 300 things that I need to do to make my site? You know, technically yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, I mean, often when I think about it, so from an on-site point of view, I mean, I guess the starting point is the content. So number one is making sure that you have content that people are searching for and um, and it's visible to search engines. Yeah. Okay, let's assume you've got that. So when you're creating content, you want to you position it in your site in a topic-first way. That's something that's really important for Google these days. They want to see all your content uh, arranged topically so the format of the content is less important you know having blogs here and webinars here and case studies here yep. they want to see everything topically arranged so um for rocket for example ideally we would have all our seo stuff together and all our pbc stuff together and all our digital strategy stuff together yeah um, and that might be a combination of great um uh blogs, webinars down all that stuff yeah correct um, yep. but all that stuff together um, once you've got your content sorted, then it's all about um, making sure that it's on, uh, optimized in, in the right way. And, and, you know, everybody is aware of keywords. You want to have keywords within your title, your your meta description, your, uh, your headline tags. You want to actually structure a page in a certain way to make sure that you're using not just an H1 tag, but, but all the various H tags to yep. uh, basically introduce your content, but have kind of chapters down the content. Um, you want to be using lists on your page, anything that that kind of gives Google um, uh, search engines generally uh, an idea of the structure of your content. And then you want to link to it uh, effectively. And linking is not just about having backlinks. It's about having internal links and links high up in the page. It's about having your keywords appearing in 
linked text yeah. on your pages. So, you know, we, that's called anchor text and you want to make sure that that's optimized for keywords as well. Um, lots and lots of signals using what's called structured data markup to explain to Google about how objects kind of relate together on your website. So this is an FAQ, this is a product, this is a review. Um, all these things are kind of important information that allow Google to kind of understand how your site all works Just, together at, at a structural like, level. How important is the technical stuff? Because I think we most... I think most of the audience today will know SEO is visibility in Google, good content, some kind of off-site strategy and a site that loads quick. And I think everyone's heard of meta titles and yep. all that kind of stuff, you know, whether they're using SEMrush in-house or whether they've been doing this for 10 years. But like, where do you get to a point where typically it gets so, tech- so technical, so complex that it is stuff that you do need to hand over to someone like Rocket versus just doing it in-house and ticking all the boxes? Yeah, um, so it, it's interesting, right? You can you can do some pretty basic kind of technical analysis from an SEO point of view. And a lot of the platforms that, that you have access to, whether it's SEMrush or ARFs or any of those tools, will, will give you some basic uh, technical information about, about your website. And, and that's good. That, that'll get you so far. That's important stuff. Um, to understand things at a kind of higher level, um, it does often require um, people with experience, but but I would say that but even understanding the fundamentals is is, is kind of challenging for the average person. So you talked about um, having pages noticed by Google. But that, that's obviously the, the the starting point for for any SEO. It doesn't matter how good your content is if Google's not crawling that content and, and indexing the content and ranking the content. And there's um, a fair amount of complexity around that. You know, a, a lot of people, for example, might be aware that you have what's called, um, you know, you can you can determine, you can say to Google, I don't want to index this page. I do want to index this page. You use a, a, a no index directive on a page. Um, and they think that that's all they need to do. Yeah. Okay. Google index these ones, don't index these ones. Um, what they don't realize, for example, is that Google has to crawl the page first. And in order to crawl the page, it, it has a limited number of resources. And for sites that become very bloated, um, it will assign only a certain amount of budget or, or time to crawling the site. And uh, you can end up with a situation where Google just won't crawl most of the important pages in the site because there's so much bloat in there. You often see that on e-commerce sites, for example, yeah. or sites with complex filtering mechanisms where you might end up with you know, tens of thousands of variants of the same page with different filters. Because every time you put a different parameter in, Google will see that as a different page. Yeah, right. right? And you can use what are called canonical tags to basically say only index one of these pages, but it's still going to crawl thousands and thousands of variants of these pages. And, and you know, it might not get to the important content. Yeah, okay. so you, have to, you have to manage that. Cause I think that's, I don't want us to, the minute we to say canonical, I think it's time to move on, but I think it is something that, you know, what parts of SEO can generally be done in house by a small marketing team versus the stuff that, really should be seated over to the experts. And I think that's the kind of, I think um, there's some level of knowledge out there in, in kind of the Australian marketing community as to, I think, how SEO works generally. But then there's the stuff which I think potentially, you know, an expert working on drives real value versus some elements which probably can be done quite well by in-house teams. And so technical, I think that's good. Um, I don't think we want to get into too much content. I think other podcasts on you know on this pod cover that i think the offsite stuff is really interesting like what um you know i think most in-house marketers understand that 
Um, what made Google special back in the day was that it kind of valued a website based on what the rest of the internet said about that page versus what the page itself said. Therefore, backlinking has always been a really important part of SEO. Um, clearly, the system got gamed massively probably you know, five to ten years ago, buying links, link farms, all kinds of stuff. But like, is it fair to say that off-site still matters? If yes, what are the techniques and strategies that um, are generally regarded these days as best of breed? Yeah, well, it certainly matters. Um, anybody that's kind of putting together a list of the, the key factors that you should be working towards would include offsite. Yeah. Obviously, the thing that you have least control over. Um, so it's an easy one to kind of push to the side and, and, and not focus on it. Um, fundamentally, so um, you talked about kind of bad practice and Google and search engines are quite clear that ideally they want backlinks to be driven organically. So they want people to find your content and like it so much that they see value in that for their readers. Yeah. Um, and so a, a link, as you say, is basically a, a gesture of trust or, or, or recommendation. And they're not going to do that um, if the content is, is not valuable to them. So, you know, first and foremost, um, you want to be creating great content. Um, that, that's kind of obvious. And, you know, there are ways you can do that. You can look at the content uh, that other businesses are creating on a topic and you know there's a there's a saying that you might have heard and people talk about 10x content which is basically you know look at the content that's ranking position one or two and build something that's 10 times as good as that now obviously that's not always that easy <laughs> uh, but but certainly um you know we might talk more about content i'm not sure you, you said we were not going to go too deep into content but i guess the one point i do want to make on content is that um you know the days of content for the sake of content um, are over. Yep. It's all about quality content. You know, fewer, longer form, high quality, um, authoritative content pieces is far more important for SEO than a large number of um, kind of trivial five hundred word blog articles, right? Yep. So, so let's assume you're creating you're creating great content. Then, then you obviously have to get that notice. Um, so. There's traditional outreach where, you know, you can employ people um, to, to hit up um, uh, businesses within that niche yep. um, so that they might have an interest. You can certainly use tools to see what businesses or what publishing sites have linked to your competitors on the topic and see if they'd be willing to link to you. Um, it's always useful to, to hit up kind of warm contacts rather than cool contacts. And so we'd certainly advise that, you know, if you deal with a lot of suppliers or, or um, partners or, or even happy clients that you'd be trying to hit those guys up for links. But fundamentally, if, if you're trying to hit up kind of cool businesses or cool publishers to, to link to you, it is a challenge. Um, there are, um, you know, having a, having a strong social profile is, is really important. In this and does, does it have to be a link? Like, is a reference to your brand enough? Is, um, you know, I think you're going to go down that path, but a social media post, something that's shared, like is that enough for Google to go, hey, this brand, Rocket it's, or Jim's Plumbing? It's, defi it's definitely moving in that direction. Yeah. So Google is certainly sophisticated enough to know that, you know, if you refer to Rocket Agency without a link, then that is our business, Rocket Agency. And yeah. so in theory, it, it can semantically understand that. Um and, and certainly the expectation within the industry is that, you know, going forward, um, th that's going to be, the actual link is going to be less important. People talk about citations. That, that's a citation. It's making sure that your name, uh, potentially your phone number, your address, whatever, is present as, as often as possible on the web. Yeah. Um, now, within, within um, social, 
um, social is not something that, you know, your social rankings uh, have no influence directly um, within SEO. Yeah. Um, but it really does uh, play a complementary role in terms of your SEO. So, for example, if you are creating content and you are promoting it in social or, or organically distributing it in social, you know, that's that's how people become aware of your brand. That's that's the way that people can link back to you. Yeah. Um, uh, well, but you, yeah. You, hear, you hear this concept of digital PR kind of bandied around. Yeah. Being a kind of, um, I guess, a proxy almost for offsite SEO. Like, is that the case? Is that where things are moving? Maybe explain yeah, that to the listeners. Yeah, that, that's very much uh, the direction things are going. So anything you can do to promote your brand, um, whether, whether it's link acquisition, whether it's simply brand awareness, um, getting your name out there, being synonymous with good content, with authority uh, within a particular industry or a particular topic um, is, is all good. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest misconception that non-SEOers have about SEO? Um, I would say, yeah, okay, it's a good question. I would say, uh, I'm going to answer that with what I thought was going to be your first question, actually. Okay, I thought your first question was going to be, is SEO dead in 2022? Well, that was, it's going to be, it's there. It's on my list of questions to it's ask you. List? Okay, well, <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to get to it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest misconception is that SEO doesn't work or that it's uh, or that it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It definitively does work. It's complex yeah. and it requires um, pulling a lot of different levers at, at, at the one time. Um, and I would say having worked across um, a number of channels at Rocket, um, it's certainly um, the most challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's, it is quite clear to me that by following certain steps and doing certain things that you will give your site that far and away the best chance of, uh, of appearing above your competitors yeah. just requires a kind of investment in, in time and, and strategy. But so, yeah. Part comment by me, part question, but I think why does SEO matter? And I've got my own thoughts on it, but like in terms of compared to other channels, um, no secret that the SEO industry has probably done itself a massive disservice over the last you know, five to 15 years in terms of pretty unscrupulous business practices and um, taking advantage, I think, of the, the the secret sauce, the mystery ingredient of what SEO is. But why should a well-established Australian business where digital's you know, an important, if not critical part of what they do, take SEO seriously? Um, I mean, look, there's, there's a few uh, ways to address that. So I guess the, the obvious way is that ultimately... Uh, with the investment that I refer to, it's self-sustaining, right? So um, nobody will be surprised to hear that, you know, investing in paid media costs money. Um, the, the holy grail, I think, is is to develop an SEO strategy whereby, uh, it you know, it's scalable, it supports itself. You get to a point where um, it cycles along and you are less reliant on you know, in large injections of of, of yeah. funds to, to to get short term results. Yeah. So, so so that that that's kind of key. Um, there is the fact, I suppose, that um, obviously, um, in an ideal world, all channels will work together, right? So let let's say you are um, promoting your work. Um, you know, you, you're doing stuff on social, whether it's kind of organic or, or paid social, and and people will suddenly become aware of you, and they they then want to kind of search for you. Um, they, they need to be able to find you. They might not remember the brand, but they will remember the industry that you're in or, or some of the uh, topics that you were talking about. And you need to be up there to 
to capture the next stage of that journey that mm. that person's on. Um, you you said that you had some thoughts. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think for me, um, things change quickly in digital. We all know that. Um, we went from probably 15 years ago, it was everything was kind of Google driven, right? Once Google became the predominant search engine, um, digital kind of was fundamentally Google. And then kind of Facebook took off, Facebook ads took off, um, eyeballs increased in social, and then suddenly advertising budgets and organic budgets went there. I think for me, um, at the end of the day, and I'm obviously biased, intent-based marketing is the best marketing ever. The idea that you can put an ad or your website in front of a user when they've literally gone and searched for that exact product, service, or to solve that problem, ridiculous, better than a billboard, better than a TV ad, trying to find the needle in a haystack. Um, Google controls 97, 98% of the market share in Australia. Um, Of that, search engines push around 60 to 70% of the traffic around the internet each day. so as much as people are spending time on social media properties, they're kind of locked into the platforms generally. So the reality is is that people are using Google um, as the predominant search engine. They are looking for, to solve problems, product services, whatever it might be. Um, and most people still click on the organic listings and it does depend on vertical and it depends on what the first page looks like in terms of maps and ads and whatever else. But I think we um, it's almost SEO became a boom product um, then lots of nasty stuff happened. People became pretty disenfranchised with, but most of our clients, probably half their traffic, if not more, is being driven by organic Google. Yeah. And the idea I, that you don't invest in it is kind of madness. I, I, I guess I guess what I would say is, um, so obviously the, the intent stuff is, is, is clear, but even, even within the search ecosystem, you can choose to spend your money on SEO or you can choose to spend it on SEM, right? So you, you pay stuff. And... Um, on the one hand, you know, over time it's become a little more challenging in SEO because um, you have a limited amount of, re- uh, uh, you know, page uh, real estate. Yep. And Google has has gone from having, you know, three uh, paid ads at the top to having, um, you know, up to up to four at the top and three at the bottom, and and they went through a period with some at the side. Yeah. You know, so there is, you know, genuine concern that that Google will continue to push that, but. Um, for now, that's not the case. We do have that real estate. And, and, and fundamentally, I guess the difference between SEO and SEM is that in SEO, it keeps you honest, right? Um, you, you allude to kind of dodgy practices uh, in the past. So they, they can range from anything uh, from keyword stuffing um, to um, link farms or, or any, any of those things. People have been kind of penalized for that. But these days, Google is so much about delivering what um, the users want to see that if you if you're going to rank you have to be creating good quality stuff there's the the onus is on you mm. to be uh, to be uh, working hard on your content working hard on your site making it accessible making it uh, mobile friendly and becomes and a bit of a fly, flywheel I guess like stuff that's good for SEO is actually good for for your users for your business you know, in general yeah it's it's um you know we're, we're trying to recruit at the moment for an SEO uh, team member. And one of the questions I asked him is, uh, what's what's the most important thing in SEO? And, and obviously it's an open-ended question. There's lots of things they can answer. Um, the thing that I'm looking for more than anything is for them to say, you know, user experience mm. or, or UX, because it's the same thing. You know, what is good for search engines 
is what is good for humans. Well, that was going to be my next question. What are the three top yeah. factors in SEO? Oh, well, I can give you the first one as user experience. Well, okay, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like two okay. and three. But, like, right. but objectively, like, and I presume that it's a nuanced answer, right, depending on the client, yeah. depending on what their site's like, depending on their content strategy, depending on what off-site looks for them. There's probably no cookie-cutter approach. But um, yeah. like, what are – if you had to just barbecue conversation, what do you do for work, I'm an SEO – Someone yeah. said, well, what are the three biggest factors? Like, hand on heart, what actually are they? It's interesting. I was kind of uh, looking looking at what other people thought that the top 10 were mm. um, earlier. And uh, there's some commonalities, there's, there's some difference. Um, what, what everyone seems to agree on is, is kind of quality content mm-hmm. is, is kind of in, in the top three. Number two is uh, accessibility to search engines. I think it's just uh, underestimated. Uh, making sure it gets harder and harder to make sure your content is indexed by Google. Okay. Um, and you know we see we see sites sometimes that are built entirely in JavaScript, and there are challenges with Google even reading reading page reading pages. You can have sites that have ten thousand pages of great content, and Google doesn't know any of them exist. And is this is it fair to say, um, without putting words in your mouth, like it, yeah. is this the super nerdy stuff? that we all probably just go, yeah, my site's fine, it loads quick, whatever, but then you guys would look at it and just go, we're looking at it from a completely different viewpoint and these are all these quite tricky technical things that need to be repaired in order for you to actually take a leap? 100%. Um, There's, yeah, there's obvious stuff and there's there's stuff that bubbles along underneath the surface and, and, you know, we've got a client at the moment that we're we're working with and, and as I said, I mean, Obviously, not going to name any names, but but their site. They actually recently did a site migration, so they came up with a new site, engaged us at the last minute in that process. Yeah. Um, and by that point, it was kind of too late to tell them that they'd gone down a technology technological route that was going to be disastrous for their SEO. Yeah. Um, and and so it has proven to be. Um, and uh, you know that, that that's a challenge. You know that, that I'd like listeners to be aware of is that if you are planning to kind of restructure your site or um, rebuild your site, um, SEO migrations aren't, aren't something that you you do at the very end. You know, a last a last check before going live. It's something that should be pivotal in, in your entire strategic process, from choosing a a, a vendor to, to to develop to um, the wireframes and the site structure and information architecture mm-hmm. and. Um, the content that you choose to bring across. That's uh, sorry, I've digressed massively here. But no, that, no, no, I think that, that's but that's great. But I think that yeah, also yeah. touches to me on um, maybe the perception around SEO, which is it kind of just is what it is when that's not the case. And if clients are running media camp uh, budgets with big media, it's kind of you, you because you probably have a bit more visibility, transparency. It's every single dollar being spent, click through rate, clicks, conversions, etc. I think with SEO because it is. Um, often so murky clients mm. big big drops or um things just being quite stable for long periods of time it's never really questioned because you can't definitively say well a good job or a bad job is being done yeah i mean you, you you asked earlier what was you know um you know one of the things that you know people uh, a, a misconception about seo and I, i'm happy to share a misconception that i had about seo and that is um that I didn't realize just how closely it was related to CRO or so conversion rate optimization. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I find that so much of my time is spent looking at a website from a holistic point of view and trying to understand um, what it would take to improve a page. 
Um, and obviously part of that is, you know, making sure from an SEO point of view that we have keywords that we're targeting on that page, but, yeah. but more is, is trying to determine where that page should sit on the site or how that page should be structured or should we be adding kind of images or, or video to the page? Because they're all things that, that Google wants to, wants to see. Yeah. So it's not lip service when you say kind of user experience is. Mm. So if going back to the question, top three things, one is content. Yep. Great content, all the kind of things we've alluded to, touched on superficially. Two yep. is visibility, kind of Google's actual ability to rip through a site and index. Yep. Um, third one? Oh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say the, the traditional on-page stuff, you know, making sure you're, you've chosen your keywords correctly, the pages are optimized for them, you've got a good internal linking strategy. Yep. Um, if possible, uh, that flows into your uh, backlink acquisition strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we could go. We could go into a rabbit warren on any of these topics, right? I could ask you about yeah. how to how do you do keyword research? What is a good yeah. link? What's a bad link? Um, but I think like what I think just to try to elevate it and keep it kind of top level for the listeners. Like if I'm if I'm sitting there, I'm in house, small marketing team. We've got a website. We're dealing with all the same. Um, realities of most businesses where we can't change lots of stuff on the site we can change certain things like what um like how do i know if my seo is being done well regardless whether it's in-house or with an agency like what are the symptoms or um kind of things that people are going going, yeah i'm in good hands here or actually i've probably got a problem yeah that's a good question um i think it's very easy to do seo tactically and less easy to do it strategically Mm -hmm. so i think um you know whether whether you're doing it in house or whether you're using an agency you want to understand uh that the people involved are thinking about it from a top-down point of view so they're not just saying okay these are our kind of 50 keywords and we're going to make minor alterations to pages to to try to position these keywords more highly yeah Um, you, you, they, your agency or your team want to be talking to you about the structure of your website. They want to be saying to you, all right, you need to be uh, rebuilding these pages. You need to be uh, creating new templates and positioning these templates in this, in this way. Your, your blog is, your blog sucks because, um, you know, blog, blog, is a, blog is a huge thing. Everybody puts their content into blogs. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's convenient. It's not really the best way to use blog. Um, blogs should be for editorial content, for seasonal content, for um, industry-wide content, but, but content that relates to your key products and services shouldn't sit in a blog. Yeah. Um, or if it isn't a blog, it should be categorized in a very uh, specific and useful way. We, we see sites where there's 100 pages of blogs, and what happens is um, you write something brilliant and it gets some traction on Google, and four years later... Uh, it's in the ether because it's been pushed to page 100 and Google thinks, well, yeah. that's clearly not important content. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have clients that have written amazing stuff over a long period of time and, and, and they've been really deflated by the fact that stuff that used to work for them no longer works for them. And, and that's what's going on there. It's not necessarily that people are not interested in the topic. It's not even necessarily that the content's out of date. Um, it's often the fact that the site is just structured um, in a way that doesn't make the most of that good content. And so, you know, one thing we're doing with, with a client uh, very in the near future is a, is a full day workshop where we're basically looking through every single topic and every keyword that could possibly have interest to that client and to understand how it all fits together as part of the larger user journey for that client. Mm-hmm. Um, and to ultimately try to categorize every piece of content in terms of 
um, the important categories and subcategories and work out how best to create um, a taxonomy that allows people and search engines to find that content first time quickly and easily. Because at the moment, as I said, um, it's not enough just to have a search bar on your site yeah. and, and it's fun that way because search engines don't use that. No, yeah, it's got to be all, all your good content. It's got to be relatively close to the homepage. It's got to be categorized in the right way. Um, and, and that's so- I think that's really interesting. I think that to me kind of almost shows like what what is SEO this year versus what it was twelve years ago or five years ago when it was do your keyword research, how many people search for it, write blog articles on the topic, five hundred to seven hundred words, stuff the keyword in there, get some links off site, and that's an SEO strategy where it feels that you know. <laughs> it's almost what Google's been saying all along, right? Which is create awesome content that solves the world's problem. Um, if it's genuinely good and users can access it, we'll access it and, you know, you will be be rewarded. Um, in terms of my next question, I think um, we've, I don't want once again, I don't want to get into, into too much um, technical detail on this stuff, but like what would, I think the thing we always get asked, because I'll often deal with um, prospective clients before they engage with Rocket, um, you know, how long until I, I, can, I can expect to see results. And I think there's two prongs to that. One is that there is a feeling that SEO does take longer and that we're all in this under pressure with these, you know, quarterly reporting cycles and quarterly budgets and am I really willing to invest in something that's going to take time? But I think also a lot of listeners to the pod, they'll have been burnt before, right? They'll have gone with an agency that, you know, is kind of basically full of shit. Um and there's a reluctance to kind of sign off on anything that is it going to take six months, nine, 12. And I think we see it and often it is a bit slow moving for a lot of valid reasons. So just can you talk a little bit about that? Like if you are going to embark upon, you know, SEO 2.0, like what, what, what do timeframes look like? And when is it a sign that things are under control and just taking time versus when is it a sign of stuff's not happening and it's never going to happen? Yeah. Um, so Look, it, it, it's it's always challenging um, because every agency is want is, is going to want to do research. A, any good agency is going to want to do research, right? And there's a, a number of research projects they're going to want to undertake when when they start that work with you. They're going to yep. want to do ideally some pretty detailed tech audits. They're going to do keyword research. They're going to do competitor analysis. They're going to do um, content gap analysis, um, and ideally put, to, uh, put together a content um, strategy. Yeah. Um, they might do uh, a backlink strategy. So, you know, that that could potentially be three months worth of research. That might be one month of research um, if you decide to focus on on certain things um, and, and you have a large budget. Um, but, but that's always going to get done. And, and every agency is, for the most part, going to ignore anything that your previous agency has done because, you know, <laughs> yeah. clearly the previous strategy hasn't worked and so we've got to do it again. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to accept that that's a part of the process. And, and, and anyone who doesn't want to do that is performing a cookie-cutter approach to SEO. Mm. And it's not going to work. But how do you balance it with, yeah, this is the same thing I've heard six times before? Um, <sighs> I don't know. Because I mean, it is hard. Okay. And it, I think because I do, I probably answer that question more than you do, maybe in, yeah. in terms of how we work. And yeah. I think we do then try to lean on, you know, the quality of the vendor you're looking at, the awards they've won, the clients they've won, case studies, yeah. testimonials, speak to people for references um, and have a clear idea of what their approach is before commencing. Um, and I think then it is about less on um, metrics 
in the early days and more about deliverables, right? The fact that you are having a day workshop or you you know you, there is a, a tech audit that is clearly done by someone that knows what. I mean, some some businesses actually prefer to hear that, to be honest. Um, a client we won recently said that the reason we won them is that we were the only agency that didn't pull smoke up their eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, they said that they, they, they'd spoken to a number of people in the industry and, and for the most part, they'd said that um, the website was in great nick and, and they could turn it around very quickly. And we came at it and we said, you have serious structural issues with your website. Um, this is the reason why content's ranked in the past. This is the reason why it's not ranking now. Yeah. And in order to fix that, these are the steps you're going to have to take. Yeah. Um, now, for those guys, that was music to their ears. I understand that's not going to be music to everyone's ears. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there will be other agencies out there that will... Um, but maybe that's just maybe that answers the question, right? Which is, um, you know, assess a vendor as you would with any any selection. But I think if you're hearing what you want to hear and you're hearing yes, then you're probably going to end up in that cycle of either burning through until you find someone that until you get to a point where you're ready to actually listen, um, or maybe you never do and you basically just check out of of doing SEO properly and yeah. kind of see I mean, that the, to your competitors. The other thing I'd say is that clear, clearly this shouldn't be carte blanche for an agency as included to, to string you along with, you know, months and months and months of promises and, and no actual yep. delivery. Um, you know, you're going to have to, to, to show value at some point. Um, it, um, you know, organizations need to understand as well. One, one of the main kind of um, roadblocks to success in SEO is, is kind of challenges with implementation um, so whether that's actually having roadblocks uh, in terms of development or um, will within an agency to kind of make what in some uh, instances might be kind of changes to the homepage that they might not actually feel comfortable with initially and yep. they have to go through various kind of chains of command to, to get those things approved. Um, it, it, we see often a lot of uh, really solid SEO strategies founder just because um, everybody has to be pulling in the same direction. Mm. You, know, you need you need your 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 writers and your um, yeah, so again on the writing piece. You know we we have writers. We don't demand that we do the writing. We're we're happy to offload the writing to our clients. And the way we kind of handle that is that we will do detailed yep. briefs and we'll say this is how a page should be structured and that's based on competitor research yep. and keyword research. Um, we'll hand it off to clients and then um, clients obviously have many, many things that they need to be doing. Mm. And sometimes those pages don't actually get written and I'll come back on board in order to look at the strategy kind of four or five months after I've presented a strategy mm. Hasn't been done. To, find, to find that nothing's been done and we've delivered this, but it's not actually been implemented on the website. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's very little point in paying an agency to do this kind of work if everybody is not. Kind I of- think that's right. And there's certainly things that we can do to help um, push things through and empower our clients in terms of the marketing team to to empower them within their organization. But you have to have that buy-in, I think, in, internally as well. Um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up pretty soon here, guys. But I think yeah. um, lots of good stuff there in terms of why SEO is still important, what is different, but also what's not. I think there's kind of that balance. Um, yeah. And I think also just misconceptions around, you know, what it is and what it isn't in 2022. Um, for people listening who actually might be interested in a career in SEO, like what would you say, um, you know, how do you end up as a head of SEO, whether it's in-house or in an agency? Like what are the what are the steps to take to kind of end up in a role like yours um, at some point in a career? 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, relatively, I mean, if people come into this role from so many different walks of life. My background, uh, I've had lots of careers, but uh, I guess fundamentally it was in the web space as a developer. And it certainly helps to be technical yeah. because, you know, you, you, you're going to struggle. Um, I think the technical side of things is definitely the hardest to, to get your head around. So if you don't have a, a bit of a head for numbers and a bit of a logical bent, then yeah. you will kind of struggle in that regard. Um, we have people that come through from finance backgrounds or communications and marketing backgrounds. Um, in it's it's interesting to people that new people that start in the agency here find it quite interesting because they might think that it's purely a technical discipline and, and are surprised to find that it's also very creative. Yeah. Um, you know, to to you know to put together content strategies requires um, you know creative skill. Um, in order to to find the right outreach strategy um, or to be able to analyze other websites and what they're doing well and, and what they aren't doing well, you know, a- analytical skills and creative skills all come to the fore there as well. So um, there, there's a mixture of skills that you're going to need, but, but uh, you know, the, the people that we look for tend to be ones that come from those kind of disciplines yeah. um, and they impress us with their... Um, I think they're, they're clear thinking, that their ability to express themselves in, in a clear way. Because um, in some ways it is, it's kind of everything, isn't it? It's a bit of art, it's a bit of science, it's um, understanding business, it's understanding marketing, it's understanding how humans behave. Um, so it's kind of, it's not, yeah, I think that's also probably part of the misconception is it's not just this kind of, you know, people in a dark room, you know, operating technically. So Yeah, it's interesting. We, um, at, at Rocket, when we hire, we, we do... Um, a form of behavioral profiling and and so we for all the rules that we kind of line up we we uh, identify where we think somebody should sit yep. within a behavioral profile and, and we have kind of profiles of the people that have come through our organization and done it successfully to kind of measure that up against yeah and it's actually surprising how different the the actual profile you're looking for might be from what you expect that it would be something like this yeah it's yeah interesting well, Gary Viner, thank you so much for uh, your time today and um, sharing all of your wisdom on SEO in 2022. James, Jimmy, Gizdag, <laughs> Lawrence. You're cut from the pod. <laughs> You're cut thank, from the pod. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.